Judges 14 and 15 this morning. We're going to do, look at two chapters, so I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Um, But I do want to begin by just giving you a quote, and this won't be on the screen, but um, I um, read this one this week and thought it was pretty good. So here it is. When we think biblically, we are less likely to drift aimlessly. Okay? When we think biblically, we are less likely to drift aimlessly. We've been talking uh, about a man by the name of Samson. Uh, We've heard the stories, the children's stories, but the fact of the matter is, Samson is not the hero many of us make him out to be. Uh, he, he, was a, uh, he was a playboy. Uh, he, he totally disregarded uh, everything uh, other than um, defeating the Philistines and, and getting Israel out from under their rule. But, but everything else just seemed to go totally contrary uh, to what God would use in a man who uh, he had called for a task like this. So just hang in here with me. Here's another thought I want you to think with me just for a moment because we're going to look at a verse here in a minute that says that the Holy Spirit came upon him and he tore this line into like it was a goat. The more I read this, I have come to the realization that Samson was not this big muscle man that Hollywood portrays him to be. I think he was just an ordinary guy that looked like us. Because uh, if he was this great big hulky guy, like we um, think of him, or pictures that we've seen of him, we might get the idea that it was his own strength that allowed him to do that. It was the Holy Spirit that allowed him to do that. And so, for some reason or another, I've come to the realization, I'm not sure Samson was a big muscle-bound guy. I think he may very well have just been an ordinary guy, but he did extraordinary things when the Spirit came on him. Just like us, Right? It's possible for us as Christians to do extraordinary things when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and when the Holy Spirit is with us. Now, in this case, you have a man who the Holy Spirit came upon him at intervals. In our lives, we have the Holy Spirit all the time. So I I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about a man that God used who ignored who ignored God's standard. I'm glad that... um, that, that our students are coming back. I, I was able to start with our college students a little bit this morning. I'm glad, I'm glad you college guys are here because we got into a little bit of this. Didn't get into a whole lot of it. But I want to show you some principles in the Bible. Uh, I think they can help you. I am I, I, I'm an old fuddy-duddy, uh, an old guy who don't know anything, uh, who hadn't done anything, who hadn't been anywhere. I get that. But, but I want to show you from God's Word this morning something I think is really going to help you. Uh, and, and this is not specifically all for our youngers, but, but especially those of you who are single, those of you who are starting the dating process, I think there's a whole lot to say here in God's Word about that. And, I, and I'm going to share some of that with you as I go along. Now, one, one very interesting thing here. I want to read one verse to you. It's found over in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. Yeah, I'm, I'm rambling this morning, okay? 1 Peter chapter 2, and look at verse 9. But you, talking about believers, all of you who are sitting here who know Jesus as your Savior, but you, okay? 
Now look at this. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. Now, I, I want to I throw in the King James translation here because it says you are a peculiar people. Now, peculiar in this instance doesn't mean weird. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you. It carries with this idea, and I think that the translation here is you are God's own possession. The idea of, of, of a peculiar people here is that you, you belong to somebody else. Matter of fact, the Bible says you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. When you came forward to ask Jesus into your heart and into your life, you gave your whole self to him. Everything, right? You were ready at that time to do that. Now, the fact of the matter is, is a whole lot of us are Indian givers because we find there are some things in our life that the Lord asks of us and we realize that we've done that and we don't want to give him that part of it. But, but there's something interesting here in this matter of this, this mentality of what a believer really is. We are, in a sense, a standoffish kind of people. And in that sense, I mean a separated kind of people. We, we don't preach about biblical separation a whole lot anymore. We have a culture out there that says that... Um, you know, it, it's weird to be different. And if you're different, there's something wrong with you. And yet the fact of the matter is, is if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are different. And you're held to a different standard. Okay? Well, I mean, we just are. But the Bible designates who and what we are. And, and, and we look at this and we go, so, so here's, here's what we are. Here's what God says we are. Now, now I said this to our college students this morning. I'm going to say it to you. Um, God's Word is the standard, not culture, not people's own interpretations, not, not switching and twisting Scripture to, to make it sound or be a, a little bit less abrasive than it is. If I were to go through here, th this, is, this is my Bible, and it's one of my many that I have. And I didn't want to tear any of mine up, so I'll find an old one sometime. But, but, but here's, what, here's what I want you to picture in your minds if you can. We live in a world today that wants to go in this book, and they want to tear out all the miracles. And so if we were to go through this Bible, pull every page out that had a miracle on it, then the size of this Bible would diminish. And then they want to take out everything that mentions anything about sin. Or about our own sinfulness. Or about atonement. Or about the work of Jesus on the cross. They want to tear all that out. And if we were to go through here and tear out all of those things that are offensive to us, we would wind up with about a third of a book this size. Now the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, a whole lot of people want to live by a book like that. But when you die, you better have this book. And you better have all of it. Now, look, it's not going to be popular at times to live this way. It's not going to be popular to be that person that says, Thus saith the Lord. But the fact of the matter is, 
is that we, we have a standard that God's given us, and we are compelled to live by that standard. Now listen to this. The life-changing, lasting influence of God's Word. The life-changing influence of God's Word in our lives is a primary countermeasure to Satan's attacks. Now, I had a guy send me a text message here not too long ago, and here's what he said. He had kind of gotten off track in his life, and he sent me this text, and it said, I'm smarter than this. I know better. I'm supposed to be smarter than this. And the only thing I sent him back was, Satan's smarter than all of us. And when we come to that realization, we come to realize that sometimes, yes, we do get off track. Sometimes, sometimes we do um, get ourselves in trouble just because of the way that we live. And here's a man by the name of Samson who started off well. We talked about that last week, you remember. And yet he ended up dying. What, what he did got him in so much trouble that it cost him his life. Here's another quote. Here we are thousands of years from our original parents. And we somehow believe that we can deviate from God's word and not die. Isn't that true? So, so here Samson is. Samson has been called by God. He is raised with all of the... The um, um, uh, privileges that a young man could be born with, he may very well, ladies and gentlemen, be the Old Testament character who had the most potential. Think about him. The Old Testament character that had the most potential. He was born a super boy. And he could have grown up to be a superman, but he wound up being a failure. Now, did he do what God had called him to do? Absolutely. Did God use him? Absolutely. I'm going to show you some of that in here in just a minute. But in this case, we know that Samson was a man, and if you read through, he was filled with lust. He was filled with passion. He was filled with anger. He, raced, he wasted his resources that were given to him by God. He totally misunderstood biblical separation. Now, biblical separation has a negative aspect and has a positive aspect. The negative aspect is this. We are to be separate from sin. Okay? But the positive aspect is we are to be separate to God. So, in a sense, we are separated from something because we are separated to something. Okay? Now, here, here is Samson, and I think it's uh, me. I'll throw myself in this category. We've all been here. Samson had ad, outward signs of spirituality, okay? Nazarite vow, long hair, all of that stuff. He had the outward signs of spirituality. But as we read through this story, you'll see there's no indication he had an inward separation, now, you say, well, well, okay, we'll prove that to me. Well, all right, let's look at it. In chapter 14, we start with, you're doing an outline. The first part is Samson straying. Samson straying. It always starts that way. I, 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 like I said, I'm jumping around, but listen to this very carefully. This may not have anything to do with this, but I think it has everything to do with everything. 
In the last days, the Bible tells us that there will be a departing from the faith. Okay? That day won't come until there come a falling away first. And we were talking to the college kids this morning, and we were talking about where we were and how we grew up. And, you know, we just, mom and dad said it, or the preacher said it. We didn't question anything. And, and, and all of a sudden, we began to realize that there's a world out there that is questioning. It's, it's going in a downward direction, and, and we don't have any answers for them. And so it's made us as believers scramble to get into God's Word and learn God's Word. But let me tell you something. Listen to me very carefully. The first step toward apostatizing, walking away from the faith, is a deviation from the Word of God. A deviation from the Word of God. God's Word says it. It don't matter whether you believe it or not, that settles it. Okay? So there are some biblical things that we've got to get back to. There are some biblical things that can't be twisted and can't be turned and can't be maneuvered to to make it easy for us to swallow. The fact of the matter is we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is a biblical truth. Okay? So let's look at this. Samson is deviating or he's straying from the Lord. He has some carnal desires. He's not any different than any of the rest of us. Now, all you college kids, all of you who are single, who are not married, um, principle number one for you, the rest of you don't have to write this down. Principle number one is this. Building relationship based on what can be seen on the outside. Okay? That guy, it looks really good. You know what? I don't think God wants you to marry a Papa Smurf, you know, or or a... Or, or um, you know, whoever, an olive oil, you know, somebody like that. Y'all don't even know who all that is. But listen, the first principle we see here is you have this man, he's straying from the Lord. Not because he sees something in this woman that has a, a good, pure heart, or not who she is on the inside, or what she possesses on the inside, because she knows Jesus. It's how she looks. I'm going to say this to y'all, and I know it's going to shock you. I, I, I shocked the socks off the college kids this morning. Everything that comes out of Hollywood is make-believe, okay? I know y'all don't get that. Y'all don't understand. Y'all think that's the way the world really is. It is not. It's all make-believe. No, that's real. As a matter of fact, everybody who plays a part in a movie is, in a biblical sense, a hypocrite. That's what the word means. To mask yourself. They're playing a part. That's not who they really are. And so, here he is, and he says, he, now look at this. Circle this word. He goes down. Goes down. Isn't it amazing that when we move away from God, it's always characterized as going downward? Brady's been teaching us, and he's going to teach us again this week. And he mentioned evolution. And the theory of evolution basically says that that things get better and better and better. But the fact of the matter is, life tells us, no, it don't get better, it gets worse. Evolution don't make things better. We don't, we don't reach a, a higher level through evolution. We just learn at the end of it, we die like everybody else. But Samson is moving, geographically he's moving downward. Samson goes down to Timnah, he sees a woman from the daughters of the Philistines, okay, 
Okay, she's a non-believer. Y'all hang here with me just for a minute, okay? She is a non-believer. So he sees a woman who's a non-believer, okay? By the way, number two on your list, those of you who are single, she's a non-believer. Here's what he comes back and he tells his mother and father. I've seen a woman in Timnah from the daughters of the Philistines. Get her for me as a wife. Boy, she is so good looking, I want to marry her. Can I just, can I just give y'all, you young people, a bit of advice? I know I don't look this old. But my wife and I, next year, will have our 50th class reunion. And some of them old girls I thought were so good looking. I'm going to have to go before God and say, God, thank you for not answering my prayers. Y'all with me? Okay. Just, just as a matter of reference for you, you know, just as a matter of reference. Fifty years from now, you're going to Brother Gary, try to tell me this. I wouldn't listen. Now, now here's another one. So his mother and father say to him, is, is there not a woman among your relatives? Now, it doesn't mean, mean you've got to go marry one of your cousins. Basically, what this says is, is there nobody from our tribe? Nobody from our tribe? You know, there were 12 tribes, and, and the tribes pretty well settled in different places themselves. And so tribes kind of grew up among um, the, the, this area. And so he's not, they're not saying, listen, none of your relatives. What they're saying is, you can't find anybody in this tribe? To marry? Or you can't find somebody in the other tribes to marry that you've got to go outside of your Christian beliefs to find a wife? Problem number three. He didn't listen to the wise counsel of his parents. Okay? I know you're laughing, but you've been through this. You've got, you, you got, you got girls. I get that. I understand that. Are, are you all with me? Okay, so far. So far, so good. He, here's the thing. Write this down. Samson is driven by desire, not conviction. Samson is driven by desire, not conviction. We talked about that again this morning, too, with our consciences. And those, those, how, the, how the Holy Spirit convicts us sometimes through our conscience. Um, and so he is, he's going down. His mother and father has talked to him. Yet Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. You see that? She pleases me well. She looks good. He's wants to marry a woman because of the way she looks. Not because of where she's from, not because of what she believes. He's choosing a wife on the matter of appearances. He's walking by sight. Now listen to me very carefully. He, he is, he's God's chosen man, okay? But the Holy Spirit is not on him like he is us. It comes on him, it leaves, it comes on him. But here's the fact of the matter is, in, in this instance, he's living by sight, not by faith. He's a Nazarite. He's taking the Nazarite vow, which I'm going to tell you is a big deal. I mean, it really is. It's, you know, here's, here's some things that you've got to do. 
God has separated you. God separated you from birth. God separated you in your mother's womb. God separated you before you entered your mother's womb. He, he gave her some dietary things to follow so that you wouldn't even be contaminated in the womb. From the very beginning, here's what God chose you for. And so he says, says to her, get her for me. Now, I want you to see this right here because this becomes very interesting. This will get you confused if you're not careful. I struggle with this and I struggle with it. I struggle with it. Because it said his mother and daddy didn't know that this was from the Lord. So God is calling Samson to violate his Christian conviction. No. God would never do that. Here's the fact of the matter. God's going to do what God's going to do, no matter what you do. He is God, and what you do is not going to dethrone him. It's not going to catch him by surprise. It's not going to throw him by the wayside. The fact of the matter is, is that God had, had set Samson aside to free the children of Israel from the bondage and the slavery of the Philistines. And no matter how Samson acts, God's going to do that. God's going to get the work done. As a matter of fact, you remember, even in this, this one right here, they had been in slavery all these years, and um, they didn't even ask God to come get them out of trouble. God just did. Y- y'all see where I'm headed with this? God is God. Whether Samson recognizes it or not, God's going to use Samson. Now, now here's a good one. I've heard this one before. Some of you may have heard this. Well, I was saved at a young age. By the way, there's a pastor, a very popular pastor, and we, I can't even remember his name, who's written a whole lot of books, very solid books on biblical principles, who has just denounced his faith. What about the people who were saved under his ministry? Are they saved? Yes, because he didn't save them anyway. It's the Holy Spirit that saved them. So look, I don't care how you came to Christ. I don't care what somebody in your life did to bring you to Christ. One of my favorite Sunday school teachers of all times. Became a town alcoholic in another county not far from us. And I grieve over that even till today. But you know what? He didn't save me. God used him to point me to Jesus in those Sunday school classes, but he didn't save me. Just because Samson is not walking in the steps with which God asked him to walk doesn't mean God's still not going to do what God's going to do. God's going to do it because he's God. He, he strayed from the Lord. He had carnal desires. He disrespected his parents. These are godly people. They, they, I'm sure they prayed for him. Matter of fact, they did pray for him. They wanted a son. And they say to him, listen, can't you find another wife somewhere that believes like you believe? 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. That's not a suggestion, ladies and gentlemen. That's a command. 
I wrote this down. I think it's, I think it's true. Now, look, I, some of you are married to unbelievers. I, I, I totally understand. I get that. But if you walk into a relationship, young people, if you walk into a relationship, you're a believer and you know that person's not, you've got to backslide to marry them. And this philosophy of, well, you know, I win them to the Lord. That's a mirage. So, guess what? She's a non-believer. Your chances of winning them over have just become diminished because you are now out of the will of God by marrying them. What's going to happen when you get married and you walk in there the first time and you, you tell this guy or this woman that you're married to, hey, we're going to go to church this morning, write me a check for what? For our tithe. I promise you, I know believers and unbelievers who wrestle with that. They're married together, and they fight over that all the time. What about how you're going to raise your children? What about, what about when a crisis comes into your life, and you need to turn to the church and to God's people, and, and you have someone that you're married to that doesn't believe that way? It creates conflict. So now, now he wants a wife... That, that, that's basically, in this, in this spiritual sense, a, a non-believer. Now, I want to show you something. I, I'm going to give you, a, we're out of time, seriously. So, so, so the rest of this is for, for our young people. Because I've got to get this in. I've got to get this into you. Because some of you are going to go to college, and I'm not going to see you again for a little while. First of all, first of all, if you'll notice, I told you he was in a vineyard. He was where he wasn't supposed to be. Because you remember, the Nazarite vow said that you couldn't, you, you couldn't partake of that. You couldn't be near that. You couldn't be close to that. You could be defiled by that. Okay? So number one, he looked for a wife based on the way that she looked. Not by what was in her heart, but by the way that she looked. The second thing is is that he was somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be. He was in the vineyard. Now this lion attacks him. We get all of that. He tears him apart. Yeah, great, great, great. Let me tell you the, the, another part of the story. Uh, another part of the story is that he, when he goes down there and they meet and they, they um, arrange this wedding, when they're coming back, he goes back into the vineyard, still where he's not supposed to be. He touches this dead animal that has this honey in it, which seems to be good. But the fact of the matter is, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. Y'all with me? Parents, y'all be writing this down. Based on appearance, where he wasn't supposed to be, doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing, and then they have the party, and uh, you, know, you can look at that and, uh, as you begin to go down through there and kind of, um, uh, kind of look at kind of where he's at. Look, at. look at verse 10. I'll just give you this one real quick. Verse 10. The father went down with the woman. Samson put on a feast there, for this is what young men would do. Then the Philistines saw him. They brought 30 companions to be with him. Uh, if you take that... Samson put on a feast for them. In, 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 in a Hebrew translation, just a, just a real loose translation, 
he, he, he threw a drinking party. Look it up. I'm not making it up. With 30 Philistines, okay, Philistines, however you want to pronounce that. So, so he's marrying a woman that he likes her looks. He's where he's not supposed to be. He's doing something he's not supposed to be doing. And he's hanging around people he shouldn't be hanging around with. These kids are going to hate me when this sermon's over. I, I know, I get it. Is that true? Am I lying to you? So here he is. And all of a sudden, this woman that he marries, and he does marry her, um, at the wedding party, he gives this little riddle. And here's the thing, folks, if you'll watch it very carefully. He is making a joke. He's making a joke about what he's doing. Ah, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. Y'all with me? Everybody does that. That's the way the culture is. I'm not doing anything anybody else is not doing. So, so he, he does this riddle, and, and, and it's about the line, and it's about the honey. They don't know what it is. So three days later, they come to his wife and say to her, you need to find out. You need to find out what this riddle is because um, we need to know what it is. We don't want to be out uh, our clothes and jewelry and all this stuff that goes with it. So you need to tell us what it is. And, oh, um, by the way, and if you don't, we're going to burn you and your father and your possessions. So you know what she did? Men, listen to this. She cried. You want to melt me? Let some tears start flowing out of this woman's eyes. I'll let her. And the fact of the matter is, he still wouldn't. He said, listen, I ain't even told my mother and father that. And then for day upon day upon day, she cried. You don't love me. You don't care anything for me. And so he, I'll tell you what a, what a good romantic he was, because when he found out that she told him, he went and killed 30 of the Philistines and took all their stuff and brought it back and gave it to them. God was a part of that too. God, God, God's, gonna, God's going to break the back of the Philistines. I know it don't sound like it is, but, but he's just using this guy, this crude guy, because here's what he said. Now, women, how would you like to hear this? If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you would have never known that. Real romantic, isn't he? Can you imagine sending a Valentine card to your wife? I love you, my heifer. By the way, heifers don't plow. Did y'all know that? And then, once he runs off and kind of cools off a little bit, he goes back to his wife, and, 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 and this translation says he's going to go in her bedroom. Father said, no, you can't do that. Why? Uh, by the way, he didn't bring her flowers. He brought her a goat. So, yeah, read it. It's in there. Yeah, real, real man, okay, real man. Listen, guys, you're not going to impress your wife by calling her a heifer and bringing her a goat. I've gotten off track, haven't I? 
So he goes and he's going to make amends with his wife. And her father says, I'm sorry, I've given her to the best man. Now listen to me very careful, young people. Listen to me very careful. Listen to me. Don't, don't, don't turn me off right now. Okay? He built a relationship based on looks. He was where he wasn't supposed to be. He did what he shouldn't be doing. He was hanging around with who he shouldn't have been hanging around with. He married an unbeliever. How many of you are surprised his marriage didn't work? Listen, God's word is true. And God's word gives us warnings sometimes. You can go marry that old macho man if you want to. And you can go the places you shouldn't be going. You should do the things you shouldn't be doing. But the fact of the matter is, don't be surprised when that thing don't work out. I'm serious now about this. I'm serious. I'm so glad y'all are here today because I just, I, I had to get that out for you. It's important that you understand that the principles that are found in God's word are true and correct all the time. He stands for God because he goes and he kills us. I'm going to get through all this. He struggles with God in verses 18 through 20. Did you know there's only two times in the life of Samson that he prayed? Here in chapter 15 and in chapter 16. Now, one of the things he does do is he recognizes the victories, God. You see, the fact of the matter is, this story is not about Samson. It's about God. It's about God doing what God is going to do. It's about God doing what God wants to do. And about God using anything and everything at his disposal to make that happen. How could God use a man who is totally unspiritual to do something big? Well, he uses you, doesn't he? You're totally unspiritual too. So many of us every day are so far from God. It's a wonder that God even speaks to us. Now listen to this. The reason for that is, is God is gracious. God is gracious to those who call on the name of the Lord. T- to finish up, there's another character in the Bible that was kind of the same way, and his name was Samuel. Y'all know Samuel, the prophet Samuel. Samuel was raised kind of like Samson in a way. But there's a difference in those two. And here's the, di- here's the difference in you being a Samson and you being a Samuel. Samuel understood that real consecration has to start on the inside. Okay? You don't get saved by changing your clothes, cleaning yourself up on the outside. I'm going to tell you this. If you quit going where you're not supposed to be, if you quit doing what you're not supposed to be doing, if you quit hanging around with who you're not supposed to be hanging around with, 
there's still no guarantee you're going to be saved. Now, 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 now hear me, hear me. These, these college kids are going to hear it twice, okay? Hear me, hear me. There's coming a day when you're going to face death. It's appointed that a man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. Think about this for a moment. Every one of you, everybody sitting here this morning is going to stand before Christ. And you're going to give an account. You're going to give an account. But when you die, there's only one thing that's going to matter. One thing and one thing only. One thing and one thing only. What is that one thing? We talked about, we talked about the foundation, the strong foundation of the Christian life with our young people this morning. It was like when we get all out of track, come back to that foundation. Get back to your base. Get, get, back, get back to that one thing, those things that are most important, those non-negotiables. And the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that when you face God, the only one thing that matters is this. Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of your sin? You're not going to stand before him and go, well, I did all these good things and I quit doing all this stuff. And I listened to my conscience and I knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing it, so I quit doing that. Aren't you happy with me? There's going to be a whole lot of people like that, folks, that Jesus is going to say to, depart from me, I never knew you. Be a whole lot of folks that are surprised. One of our young guys this morning said that um, 73%, 73% of people in America say that they're Christian. There are going to be a whole lot of disappointed people at the judgment when people stand before God because you know what they've done? They have embraced the culture. They have embraced the teaching of the culture that there are many ways to God. doesn't matter how you get to God as long as you come to Him. doesn't matter... Doesn't matter how you live, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter, you know, we, we can twist the scripture. Scripture don't really mean that. I'm going to tell you there are two things you need to know. Number one, you need to know Jesus is Lord. And number two, you need to know the only way to get into heaven is make him your Lord. So do you know Jesus? I'm serious. Listen, I, I, I've been, never been more serious about anything in my life. Sometimes there are a whole lot of people sitting in churches on Sunday mornings. People believe they're saved, but they're not because they're putting their trust in something else other than the finished work of Christ. You know what? All I have to do is believe that and accept that. I believe that. I acknowledge that. I accept that. And guess what? Boom. Instantaneously. Salvation. So, I, look, I know I've run circles this morning. I have. But fact of the matter is we can all get off track it's easy to it's easy to get off track but the main, listen here's the main thing out of all Samson did and everything he created there's at least one thing he got right in his life because he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the heroes of the faith in, in an Old Testament way he was a believer now, I'm not saying you can go out and live like you want to live. Grace doesn't give you a license to do that. But what I am saying is this. Let's quit playing. 
let's get back to God's word. Let's start living God's word. Let's start doing and being obedient to what God's word says. And then we'll be the people that God saved us to be.